Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Monday. It's the 20th of June. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Abortion rights supporters say the Iowa Supreme Court's decision to overturn a 2018 abortion ruling is a devastating reversal. The court found that there is no fundamental right to an abortion in the state constitution. It also reinstated a 24-hour waiting period passed in 2020. ACLU of Iowa legal director Rita Bettis-Austin says they'll continue fighting that law in court, but after Friday's ruling, she expects more restrictions from the Republican-controlled legislature. We know that the intention is to try to restrict and ultimately ban abortion, and we're going to do everything we can to fight that and protect abortion access in the state. Bettis Austin says the court overturned the right to an abortion but did not make it illegal. She says the court returned to an earlier standard that says abortion laws in Iowa cannot create an undue burden on women. Deidre DeGier, the Democratic nominee for governor, spoke at the party's state convention on Saturday. IPR's Grant Gerlach tells us DeGier looked to energize party members for what she said will be a difficult race against Republican Governor Kim Reynolds. The governor's race will be a battle, DeGier said, on issues like education, voting access, and LGBTQ rights. Other candidates at the convention also brought up abortion rights after an Iowa Supreme Court ruling cleared the way for stronger restrictions. DeGier said after her speech, it's one of many issues on her mind, along with cuts to unemployment, absentee voting, and collective bargaining that she says make the state less appealing. But at the end of the day, no woman should have to walk into her doctor's appointment and make the decision that's best for her in consideration of what Kim Reynolds wants. DeGier also introduced Eric Van Lanker as her running mate. Van Lanker is the four-term auditor for Clinton County. DeGier says his experience with elections and rural issues balances the Democratic ticket. Opponents of factory farming gathered in Ames on Saturday to share their experiences with concentrated animal feeding operations. When a hog confinement moved into Powasheek County, Joyce Otto says the odor from the operation led to coughing fits and avoiding the outdoors completely. We, the neighbors of the livestock confinements, are in a sacrifice zone. We lose the pleasure and the freedom of using our own property the way we want to. Environmental organizations have been pushing for a ban on the expansion of factory farming in Iowa for the last five years. But the Republican-controlled legislature has said a moratorium is a non-starter. Rather, leaders say legislation should address specific issues within the facilities. As inflation drives up the price of food, food pantries across Iowa are seeing an increase in demand for their services. But as IPR's Kendall Crawford explains, it's coming at a time when many food banks are having trouble keeping their own shelves stocked. More than half of the freezers at Karen Share Pantry in Council Bluffs are empty. They'd usually be filled with meat, but Director Carol Teen says it's been harder to get all the protein the organization needs. She's seen a nearly 50 percent increase in clients from this time last year. And of course, the food pantries, we're all experiencing increased costs for utilities and to rent the truck to get the food and pay for the gas. So that's just fewer dollars available to purchase food, but we're not going to let that stop us. As pandemic aid ends, the USDA has decreased the amount of food it provides feeding America's food banks. That leaves teen questioning if her pantry should pare back on the food it gives away daily to continue service long term. 
And U.S. ethanol producers will make a record amount of the biofuel this year. That's thanks to an increased mandate from the Environmental Protection Agency. The more than 15 billion gallons the EPA is requiring is a record amount. The EPA also increased the mandate of so-called advanced biofuels, such as ethanol made from grasses and woody plants. Nearly 3 billion gallons of that fuel will be used as gas additives this year. This is Here First from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Many who struggle to get pregnant find they're not able to access fertility treatment for financial and other reasons. Side Effects Public Media's Thara Yusri reports patients with sickle cell disease face even greater challenges. Tiana Wolford has always known she wanted to have exactly six kids. Why six? Everyone asks me that. I don't know where that number came from. I just, I felt like four wasn't enough, and I never wanted an odd number of children. So I don't know, six just seems like a good number. Wolford is hooked up to pain meds and IV fluids at a hospital in Baltimore as we speak. She had gone into a sickle cell pain crisis a few days earlier. Wolford was born with sickle cell disease, a genetic disorder that makes red blood cells misshapen, causing pain and a host of other problems. By the time she turned 15, she'd had both her hips replaced and needed regular blood transfusions. Her liver was failing and she had frequent pain crises. There's just so many complications, infections, hospitalizations, and so by the time I graduated high school, I just felt like defeated, depressed. One cure for sickle cell disease is a bone marrow transplant. The cells that make sickle blood are replaced with healthy ones to make healthy blood. The procedure comes with risks, relies on finding a match, and not everyone's eligible. But if it works, it can be life-changing. Wolford enrolled in a clinical trial where they're able to use even a half-matched donor. Then she learned a transplant meant exposure to chemotherapy drugs that could affect her fertility. That gave her pause. She was 19 at the time and still wanted half a dozen kids. And this doctor, he looked at me and he was like, well, honestly, with all the complications you've already had from sickle cell, I don't know why you're even worried about this process making you infertile because you're probably already infertile. That was the first time that I had heard that sickle cell could affect fertility. She held out hope because freezing her eggs was still an option. Then she learned it would cost tens of thousands of dollars and her insurance wouldn't cover it. She found that some charitable foundations help cover costs, but only cancer patients qualify. So long story short, I went through with the transplant kind of feeling like if I was going to be cured from sickle cell, it'd be a fair trade-off to give up my dream of biological children. Turns out the transplant didn't work. Wolford's body rejected it. Here I am at 30, still have sickle cell, and I'm infertile. The vast majority of sickle cell patients in the U.S. are black. And because of systemic racism, they just don't have access to the same kinds of resources and social capital, says Dr. Lydia Pecker. She studies fertility and sickle cell disease at Johns Hopkins University. And it's not just the finances. Medical guidelines help ensure kids with cancer exposed to chemo are referred for fertility preservation. Pecker says the lack of such guidelines for sickle cell means patients may not always get that referral. We've just decided that we're comfortable with this paradigm where the treatment is pitted against fertility, right? Like you can have treatment or you can have fertility. But what we say in cancer care is you can have treatment and you can have fertility, right? 
Granted, even for cancer patients, Medicaid coverage of fertility preservation varies by state. And Pecker says in states that mandate coverage from private insurers. Some of them only offer fertility preservation or cover fertility preservation for people with cancer, right? So sickle cells just left out altogether. And that's a real issue because even without undergoing a transplant or other treatments, sickle cell disease itself can damage the body in ways that make it hard for both men and women to have children. It's why Tiana Wolford launched a nonprofit to raise awareness and funding to help patients afford fertility treatment. Most days it's empowering, but on some days it's really hard because I don't think a lot of people realize that I'm fighting for something that I didn't have access to. Today, Wolford is 30, and her doctors say her ovarian reserves are now almost undetectable. So lately, she's been trying to come to terms with the fact that she may never conceive a child. Farahusri, Side Effects Public Media. This story is supported by a grant from the USC Annenberg Center for Health Journalism and comes to us from Side Effects Public Media, a regional reporting collaboration focused on public health, which includes Iowa Public Radio. And this is IPR News Here First, which you can find wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I'm Clay Masters.